Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Responsive Design Weekly Podcast. My name is Justin Avery and I am your host and curator of the Responsive Design Weekly Newsletter, a newsletter all about responsive design and a whole bunch of other front-end cool stuff. Uh, This week is episode number 65 and we're going to be going through a couple of my favorite links of this week and also a couple of things that I've been doing this week as well. Um, I've had fun. I've had fun. I had a little bit of a day off on Wednesday, which was great. It wasn't really a day off though. I started to go into work, but didn't actually have to do all work stuff, I suppose, which was kind of nice. Um, and this time, instead of doing all work stuff, we were, uh, did like a little course on presenting to persuade, which was kind of really interesting. We ran through a whole bunch of techniques about uh, how to be better at presenting. Um, yeah, it was kind of cool. I, I feel like this podcast should be a lot better having uh, gone through it. But there was um, there was a whole bunch of things. So uh, one of the one of the cool things that was like a five P's, which was uh, a thing. Um, as I frantically try and grab my uh, my. Uh, my notebook of the notes that I took. One of the things, though, when we were talking through it, <laughs> this is just so ironic. Uh, one of the things we talked about uh, was saying, like, what are the what are the hallmarks of a really good speaker? Like when you go and see someone amazing, and I'm sure you've gone to talks where you've gone, that speaker was just outstanding, and there's particular reasons for it. And you've probably gone and see someone else, and they've probably been terrible, and you've gone, oh, I can't believe I sat through. 50 minutes of that and it was probably only five minutes but it felt like ages and and what we did is we looked at like what are the qualities of really good speakers and what are the qualities of not so good speakers and how do we make the uh the talks that we give or the yeah the talks that we give or the meetings that we chair um how do we make them better uh and one of the things so the overwhelming number one thing that we came up with that you should be doing is something that I have completely not done for this podcast and that is to prepare uh, and that was the biggest thing like prepare and practice like make sure you know um, but there, there was this cool thing like so there was this five p's so if you haven't heard about the five p's um, if you're trying to persuade someone about something then you you do it in 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 five steps so it's you you position it so you you set the position of where where it's at um, you state the problem is your second p the problem and go through the problem of the uh of the current situation whatever it is and then the possibilities so which which directions can you take can you take option one can you take option two can you take option three can you just do nothing at all Uh, and then you have a proposal so what are you going to do to fix the problem Uh, and usually it's one of the possibilities that you have and then at a massive stretch you have this thing called the postscript which is where you you sort of summarize um, and that stuff was all like more about meetings and how you can persuade people to go in a particular direction for meetings. When I was sitting there, uh, all I could think of was the um, was doing uh, talks like in front of small rooms of people, maybe like five people about a topic or maybe you're talking to a small meetup group, like 50 people or 30 people um, and then and larger groups. If you, if you get invited to conferences, then you've got a, a huge room that you've got to speak to as well so uh, part of it as well though we were doing lots of um, exercises where it would be filmed it was really cool and I think if you can film yourself and and watch it over again see what you do there's a couple of things that I do really wrong um, 
one thing is that I, I, I sometimes don't bring enough excitement into the, the, the talk or what I was saying. Uh, so I had this thing where I swayed back and forth. So I'd rock from side to side. So I had to practice planting my feet and just delivering from from one from one location. Um, you could walk around, but you had to walk with sort of a purpose. And then when you got to where you were walking to, you didn't turn around and go back. You stood there firmly and, and you kept on talking as well. And I found if I, I stood there still, uh, still um, the other thing I was doing is I, I would be animated with one arm and the other arm would just sit there dead next to you. Um, so it was really important to be open and have these hand gestures where it was like soft and open hand gestures and speak with your hands as well, which is uh, which is a good thing as well. So you're not just sort of like a stiff board uh, up on stage. Yeah, so there was the, the standstill. It was uh, use your hands a little bit more and then use ranges as well. Like you go for one of the things I was saying is like you can use if you're talking about something really serious, then maybe drop it down really low. But then if you're talking about something really exciting, you can talk up a lot higher and the pace as well. So if you're describing something that is really impactful, then you slow it down. And if you're talking about something super exciting, then you can speed it up. We also did this weird thing where we uh, had to read um, The Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar, which is one of my favorite books. Uh, unfortunately, it's something that I read to uh, to Noah and Darcy as well in the evening. So I kind of knew the words. Um, but it was all about kind of letting go of your, uh, <laughs> letting go of your adulthood. But um, sometimes we have these barriers in front of us where if we get up and, and speak in front of people we're a little bit scared of letting go and, and really being sort of creative or emotive or you know, like letting go so it's kind of like read read your speech or do your talk or do your presentations as if you're presenting to a three-year-old or a two-year-old you've got to make it exciting you've got to talk about how the caterpillar ate one whole banana and two oranges and three apples and if you can talk about things like that when you're uh, delivering your, your talks, then people in the crowd, they're going to get more excited as well. So that was really cool. It was, uh, it was something a little bit different. And um, at least I've got like two or three things that I, I really wanted to work on, uh, which, which I definitely do need to work on. Um, but yeah, yeah. So there were some there were some really cool tips uh, there. I'm gonna uh, write a couple of those up. But that's beside the point. We're not here to to, to talk about how we talk and deliver things. Um, we're talking about responsive design, or at least what's been happening this week. So we're gonna. Uh, I've got a couple of things in the newsletter this week uh, that I wanted to pull out. One was the snippet show, which I thought was quite interesting. So this is something that Rachel Andrew, who is like the number one resource when it comes to the CSS grid, I think she is anyway. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. She's doing loads of talks all around the world at the moment, all about CSS grid and has been living the CSS grid for the past five or six years. So uh, she's the go-to person, I would say. Uh, so she's written this really good article um, or tutorial about uh, grid lines and naming grid lines. All right, so when you define a grid, so you might say on a container, you would say display grid, and then you'll set the grid template columns. So you say how wide, how many columns they're going to be and how wide they're going to be. So you might say one fraction, one fraction, one fraction, and that will make three columns, each one fraction of the width. Right? Uh, or you could say one fraction, uh, 
50 m's one fraction and that would be the first column would be one fraction wide and then the middle column would be 50 m's wide and the uh, other column would be one fraction wide as well. Now, if you think about this, they're, they're the columns. So if you think about a column with three columns, three columns are made up from four lines. Four lines, one, two, three, four, four lines. So you have your first line, which is on the left-hand side of the first column. The second line is the line between column one and column two. The third line is between column two and column three. And the fourth line is at the end, at the end of column three. Now, when you define your columns, so we go back and like we say, we say display grid and then grid template columns. We say, like I said, one fraction, 50 M's, one fraction. Uh, what you can do is you can add namespaces in there as well. So I might say one fraction bracket article dash start bracket 50 M's bracket article dash end bracket one fraction. Now what that does is it names the lines. So it names line two and it names line three as well. So effectively we've named line two article start and I've named line three article end. Now funny thing happens when you do that is if you've got the same name for a grid line, one ends with dash start and the other ends with dash end. And in this case, we've got article dash start and article dash end. Well, it then automatically, without you having to do it, names that area between column two and column three article. So then when you're defining your article width, so like div dot, well, div class article, you can then in your CSS say article grid column, colon, article. Uh, and that's it. And then it will know that it needs to span from the article start to the article end because it's, it's using the same, same name. So that was kind of cool. Now, Rachel goes into a lot more depth about why this is and what the reasons are behind it. Uh, it turns out as well, if you did the same approach, so that's for the grid template columns. If you did the same thing for d uh, grid template row, and you had article start and article end as well for the, the grid rows, it would then um, map out an entire region like a box for that content to go in as well. But yeah, the, the article is awesome, goes into super deep uh, detail as well. Uh, and this week we've got another, uh, we've got a media sponsor actually. So I'm really happy to be supporting uh, Mirror Conference. So Mirror Conference is coming up in 2017 in October from the 10th to the 13th in Portugal. If you've never been to Portugal, it is super cool. Uh, a friend of mine um, is heading there for a week. Uh, and I noticed on Facebook, you can have these recommendations now. So I recommended a couple of places. Um, Belil, which is amazing. Sintra, Sintra as well, another amazing place. Um, anyway, Portugal, awesome. This is in Braga in Portugal, October 10 through October 13. And the Mirror Conference is a conference for um, empowering designers and front-end developers uh, who have a thirst for knowledge. Basically, they want to broaden their horizons. Um, it's really good. It looks like a great lineup as well. So we've got Brad Frost, who's speaking there. Uh, Claudio Cuglieri. Uh, uh, Jeremy Keith is going over there. Rachel Andrew. Hey, so if you want to know grid stuff, go to this. Uh, Sarah Swaden as well, who's recently uh, launched her 
um, new portfolio site, which looks super awesome, and she just does amazing work. Uh, Vitaly Freeman, uh, who is the brains and the uh, the the man behind Smashing Magazine, which is super awesome. Uh, I've seen him do, do this very talk on uh, responsive design patterns. Um, it is awesome. Uh, yeah, so it's all on. And if you use the code uh, RESWEBDES, you'll get uh, 10% off your ticket as well. So that's going to be super cool. Highly recommend going and checking that out. So thanks for sponsoring uh, the newsletter this week, Miracov. Uh, what else is happening? So NBC have come up with this uh, new design as well. So they're redesigning their website and they started in this weird way by their, they've created three new, no, two new sections to their site. One's called Mac, like M-A-C-H, and the other is called Better. Now for me, this kind of makes it look like they're trying to make the site Mac better, like much better. I don't know if they were going for that, uh, but it kind of looks that way. Now they've gone for this real like Bloomberg style redesign. It's very, um, it's very balanced. It's very boxy. There's a lot of white space, or there's a, yeah, there's a lot of space between content. Um, they're really drawing your eye to the content itself. They're doing some smart things with the ads, where they're making the advertiser not just be awful like we've seen a lot of news sites do in the past. Um, it's a really, really good uh, redesign. So go and check out uh, like uh, the NBC News and, and look for the, the, the mark or better sections. And the plan is because they've rolled this out and they've had such a good uptake, they're going to slowly roll this out into the other sections as well before they move the whole site across. And they do this really clever thing as well. If you go on the site, um, look at the, so the uh, NBC logo is like a peacock. I you remember like seeing it. It's like a, a peacock. Anyone in the, the US will be very familiar with it. Uh, anyone else, j just look it up. And especially in these sites, if you drag, the, the new site designs are supposed to be a little bit more boxy. They're a little bit more edgy. They wanted them to be. Um, but the, the peacock design is like curved. So it's like um, the peacock's feathers is like wedges of a pizza kind of uh, going around. And so what they've done with this is that as you, um, as you go to scroll down, the peacock feathers kind of fan across and close to the left, leaving one slice of uh, pizza there. But then it kind of moves it to the left a bit and it cuts off the rounded bit at the end of the feather, I suppose. Um, it's just a cool little animation. I really like that sort of stuff. Just the, the small little bits that make things look really cool. Uh, what else this week? Uh, Christian Heilman takes a look at the HoloLens as well. So he works as a developer evangelist for Microsoft. And they've come out with this HoloLens, which is slightly different to HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift in that it doesn't need a massive computer to plug into because it is a computer itself. So you kind of just wear it on your head. Think of it like a, 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 a <laughs> Google Glasses hat. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot more. I've not used it, um, but they've brought it out. It's, it's just different. And they're, they're talking about this being more like um, mixed reality and augmented reality than the virtual reality you get with your HTC Vive. So with the Vive, you put it on and you're completely transformed into a, a completely different place. But with the HoloLens, it's like wearing like cameras on your head. So when you put the, the lens on, you're still interacting with the space around you, but you can throw stuff on it in front of you as well. 
So it looks really cool. And I think this is a really big thing um, too with uh, like I'll say with responsive design, but the web in general, we've got these things coming out um, like the HTC Vive, the Google Glasses, uh, not Google Glass, uh, Google Cardboard, um, the the Oculus. We've got um, Web VR as well. Like there's there's this whole new uh, output um, medium that we're going to be needing to develop and design and and produce our content in. Um, and now's the time to start using this stuff and and checking out what can be done, how you can do it, what what the different uh, techniques are. I know at least like with the HoloLens, they said when you're developing it, develop like you're developing for mobile because the actual uh, oomph of the computer power is is not much at all. Um, and on that as well, like uh, there's not just different sort of mediums that we can move content onto, but there's uh, different mediums that will be able to service content as well and for us to interact with the content. And so uh, I've also got a link in there for the Amazon Alexa voice design guide. So this is another thing. Voice has been around for ages. It's been kind of rubbish with like, sorry, but Siri has been pretty dismal it's been a bit of a letdown no one really uses it but i've started trying to look at ways of incorporating voice into websites as well there's this cool little plugin called any yang which you should uh, look up and uh, it's a little javascript library that will allow you to accept a user's voice command and then you can train it to do whatever you want um, i think i've mentioned it in uh in something before but there's a great um design guide on how you design for voice right how do you how do you accept it what are the type of things that you need to think about when when you're dealing with with people just through voice um yeah really really cool article that one as well so you could check it out um uh, that was, should I did one more, two more? There's an, another couple things too. There's some really good uh, practices around uh, hero images, like how you're able to make the most of your hero images, how not to make them look really crappy, how to make them super performant, um, and work across a variety of different uh, devices as well. Um, uh, Una, uh, or Una, I should say, Una Kravitz uh, talks about CSS variables as well and their uses and how you can use them. Uh, so we've got a new design up, a new design, a new, what are they called? Example up on the website uh, on responsivedesign.is slash examples for the CSS conf in Europe. And they actually um, use CSS variables and a lot of it is duplicated because CSS variables aren't supported across all browsers, uh, if you set a variable, what you're finding you have to do is reset it again. So you would say, for example, just say we said the brand color is red. All right, so you define that variable at the top, maybe within the root of the CSS. And then lower down, you might say var um, dash dash brand color. And that would be the variable referencing what you had said at the beginning of the document. Now, because not everything uh, accepts CSS variables, not all browsers, what you would do before that is that you would set color is equal to red, right? So color colon red. So you set it in CSS and then you override it with the, the custom variable. Um, it's kind of doubling up at the moment, but you know, I think you should start, check check the article out anyway because there's a lot of really cool uses for it, um, which which Una goes into. Una goes into. Sorry, Una. Um, 
There's a whole bunch of other ones. I'm not going to go through them all, but you should go check it out. You should certainly subscribe to responsivedesign.is or responsivedesignweekly.com. Weekly newsletter full of great stuff. Uh, But that's all for me this week. Um, I want to thank uh, Mirror Conference again for sponsoring it as well. And also Back Pocket Notebooks for sponsoring the podcast as well. You can get a responsive design notebook. They've got a set of three um, talking about the three tenets of responsive design. There's a space notebook as well and some guitar notebooks. Um, But yeah, check them out at backpocket.co. But until next week, you can follow us on Twitter at ResWebDes. There is an RSS feed that comes out of ResponsiveDesign.is of all the different news that's happening on a day-to-day basis. There's uh, old newsletters there. There's old podcasts. There's a great bunch of articles there as well, so you could definitely go check that out. But until next week, thanks for joining us, and I'll speak to you then. Cheers, everyone. Bye.